Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. What's up, everyone? We are here with Pastor Hayden Ratner. Pastor Hayden Ratner. He is the senior pastor of Walk Church. And um, he is my man. I love Hayden. Actually, Hayden is responsible for buying me the first pair of Jordans that I ever had, the, the Jordan 6s. I, I learned that there's, there's numbers and things. Listen, I'm an athlete. I recognize that I've never been that shoe type of guy. But Hayden has got me excited. He's still, you know, Hayden, you're going to be proud of me. I still got my shoes in my box. I only I wear them out when, I, when I'm going to wear them. And, you know, it's a good thing. Daddy, let me get my picture out real quick. I keep this close by in the office, man. I'm going to have it right next to me. Kobe and Mike, this is my church planting inspiration right here to stay locked in. Yes, yes. That's actually, you know, interesting because, you know, I grew up as a Kobe fan. You know, I'm I'm a Laker fan. Kobe is probably one of the most influential guys that I've, um, basketball players, you know, in terms of me following, obviously, 2020, just like all the other things. We we agree, you know, that and everything. But... You talked about this idea of inspiration, and that's really what I want to talk to you today about, is this, you know, you planted Walk Church. You know, how, how long have you been going now? Yeah, our church is actually going to turn five years old in, in September. So September 20th, this will be our birthday. Man, five years old. That is exciting to see. Um, so my, my, I want to talk to you about, like, developing a church planning team, and I know you know, we talked in a, in a past episode, and if you haven't heard that past episode from Hyden, you definitely need to go listen to it. But Hyden, in the past episodes, we, we talked about kind of the journey, you know, and you planted in Vegas, and, and you, um, like, planted in the school that you was raised in. Right. All of those things. But today I want to talk to you about, like, the team, like, in the planting team. I want to talk about the vision, the calling. I want to talk about just kind of more kind of paint a more raw picture around it and so tell me a little bit about that your planting team and like i know you and nina you know you guys start off and you planted but tell me a little bit about that early story and that early journey yeah early journey you know i i got saved when i was in college and um really just I, i had no christian context um before that and so Praise God for a praying mom, my dad being Jewish, just never went to church before. So when I got saved through sports ministry, FCA in college, I came back to Las Vegas and just wanted to replicate what God was doing in my life there in Virginia and um, just began to invest in people, disciple making, Bible studies. What I didn't know was in those seasons, we would be really developing a a church planting launch slash core team. And... um, God was shaping that season together. And what I thought was just a Bible study, um, he was saying, hey, this is, this is bigger than that. And we were able to see some of those early people in those stages join us for what we thought was just kind of a, a gathering. We were just doing life together, walking with people um, into, into walk church is yeah. where that really came from. And so, yeah, man, I think uh, we started in 2013 when I finished up playing some professional basketball and coaching. I just felt like, all right, this is the time. It's now. And um, we just started disciple making. And through that, uh, developing a, a team of people that were bought in and, and really sensed a, a calling to 
uh, our church, the city, to us, and um, we just started building from there. Man, that's exciting. I definitely want to get into that team, and I love how you throw in that humble brag. You know, I was playing professional bit, bit professional oh, basketball. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's all it's all good. Like it, it was like it was a good humble brag. It was minor you know, flex, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that because what I love about your journey and your story is the fact that we talked about like this idea that you didn't start off necessarily or intentionally to plant a church. You you start off right. by just making disciples, right? Right. And that's what I see as the biblical model is that you know, Paul would go out and he would make disciples. And as people were coming to know the Lord and growing up in their faith, he was just like, man, we need to appoint elders and deacons and leaders. And like, and this needs to become a church. And so like church plants was a byproduct of disciple making, right? And that's what I hear in your story is this idea that you were making disciples and then the church was the next step that kind of came out of your disciple making journey. So yes. I want to, but how did you make that shift, like going from just simply disciple making to this being the story, this being the journey of your people? How did you give your team, like those early adopters, those early disciples, mm-hmm. like a sense of ownership, you know, to taking ownership of Walk Church as their church? Yeah, yeah, man, that's a that's a really good question. Yeah, I think that. Uh, Praise God, I feel like Nina and I had always had a strong sense of vision. Um, there, there, I can't remember a season of life as far as since I got saved and really started pursuing God's calling on my life uh, that I just lacked vision for the next at least year, if not a lot more than that. And so I think that what we tried to do is try to bring people into the vision with us, the, the vision to reach the city and to make disciples and, and beyond. And um, I felt like people alongside us and around us were hungry to be a part of something that was real and authentic and that Jesus was at the center of. And we're hungry for what you mentioned, the, the opportunity to be discipled and to make disciples. And so um, I think people were bought into that. And I also think that the, the people that maybe were just on the fringe or were coming because they wanted to be a part of something that was just had some momentum or they were looking kind of for a social fit within Christianity began to recognize me. I don't know if this is the right church team vibe for me. They may be a little bit more about that life than we were looking for. And those people were able to kind of get weeded out, um, which I I can look back later and, and and be thankful for uh, to a degree. So I think it's that it's both. So it's, how did you how did you transfer those people, those early adopters, from consumers to contributors? Right, you right. know, to taking that responsibility and being people who were willing to sacrifice yes, to yes. come alongside to fulfill the Great Commission. Man, you know, I think that that we were able to do that with um, with a goal in mind. You know, trying trying to paint the picture of the goal and basically say, hey, look, this, this thing is going somewhere. We're, we're not just having Bible studies to, for the sake of being puffed up and growing our knowledge, but we're actually on mission. We want to be a church planting church. We want to reach the city and the nations. And so that means that you got to be in the game. I love the quote from David Platt where he said, Jesus didn't save you to sideline you, but save you to send you. And maybe that's just part of my athletic mindset is I want to be in, I want to be in the fourth and I want to take the shot. I want to be a part of this thing. And I think that we 
I tried to raise up other leaders to want to be in that game as well. I would say one other component to that question. So the, I guess the first part being goal driven, Hey, we're going to launch, we're going to, we're going to multiply. We need you to lead and we need you to own it too. helping people have roles, discover their purpose so they can make a difference. That's one part. I think another part that's been key for us is I think just identifying the right people. I've found that, that when I say the right people, there's probably ways to measure that, but I've found that I've been able to go further, longer, better with people that are the right people, people that feel called, people that have a good attitude, people that are bought in, people that are, are, are about the vision and mission, people that are saying, hey, it doesn't really matter what we're doing today, but I'm with you anyway. Those type of people, um, they, they tend to just own the vision and adopt it and make it theirs without too much convincing because I guess that's what I mean when I said they're, they're the right people. And I think you can be discerning on that church planning journey as men. Who's the right people? Who's maybe the wrong people? Who are called people? Who are people that just want to be a part of something? Maybe they want the photo op. Maybe they just say, hey, yeah, I was there. Um, but I think identifying the right people is so key. That's something that we we did to a degree and we didn't do early on. And uh, well, You mentioned in there this idea of who are the people who are called. And I think that that's a huge dynamic. Yeah. A lot of times when people talk about calling, we're talking about like personal calling, right? Like my own personal calling. And I think that that is, you know, important. But how do you differentiate between whether or not someone is called in that yes. season, in that time, to be a part of your planting vision, right? From, I mean, I'm talking about the, the planting team. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, I think, I don't know that this was as sharp at, at one point, you know, early on, but I think today I would say if I were, if I were to minister to uh, Hyden at 25, I would have said, man, make sure you're leaning into the calling. And I would say based on calling off of three primary things, I'd say first, the maybe some presupposition that somebody is a believer and has the understandings of the gospel. I think that's key. But I'd say three callings uh, from there. One would be a call to the city. Um, not just a call to ministry, but if you want to be a part of our church planning team, I would have leaned a lot more into, are you called to this city? When I look at Paul, I see him going to cities. It's specific. It's the Macedonian call. It's the Antioch call. It's, I love when Paul tries to go to Asia like three times. I'm trying to go to this city and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, but you're not, you're not called to this city right now. And, um, and so I think I would have pressed in more to that, especially people that were moving to Las Vegas to be a part of the church. Um, would have said, man, make sure that you're called to this city because if you're not called to the city, I think other other motivations that you may have thought were were the A one thing, when those things go wrong, you'll just bounce. And I think we saw we saw some of that and I've seen it with a lot of just church planners around that are so hungry for team up front, which I think is a healthy desire. Um end up getting hurt later because people came, but they weren't necessarily called to the city. So I think identifying that is key. Um, calling to the church is key, mm. right? So we, I think there was even some people that felt called to Las Vegas and the, the lights and the glitz of that idea, but may not really have been called to our church. 
So it's like, man, dang, you moved out here or you're a part of our, our team at one point, but then all of a sudden you're going to this church, you're going to this church, you're at this Bible study, you're discipling these people. And we're like, hey, we got a gathering tonight. And you're like, man, I can't be there. I'm going to this other. And you're like, whoa, where are you, call, where are you called to? And so I think calling to the city, calling to the church. And then I would say the third one is, is a calling to, to Nina and I, um, a calling to leadership. I think there were some people along the journey that were maybe called to the city, felt called to our church, but for whatever reason, didn't feel called to us. I think one thing I've been doing more lately is just getting around team members and just affirming and confirming. Do you feel called to me? Um, do you feel called to me as your pastor, as, as a leader in your life? Do you, do you see me as that? Because I think, and, and, and Nina right there with me as a co-church planter, um, alongside me that, that there's calling to us. Um, when I look at Jesus and the disciples, I just see Jesus calling people less to a task and more to himself. And so he'll say, uh, come follow me. And so I don't, I don't, I can't recall a place in the gospels where Jesus says, all right, look, disciples, this is the itinerary for the day. We're going to go to the graveyard and heal the demon possessed man. We're going to, we're going to go to Jairus house. And then we're going to go eat and multiply the bread. He just says, look, you're called to me. So wherever we're going, we're going, just be ready. And I found that people in our church plant that five years ago really felt the calling to Nina and I are still with us. Yeah. And, and it really doesn't even matter what we're like. It's like, yo, Hayden, Nina, set the tone, set the vision, give us the role, and we're going to run it. We're going to play it, and it's going to be good, and we're going to be honoring, and it's going to be dope. Um, but I think that that's, that's one of those items. Yeah. I love how you, you know, even differentiate the two because I think that is what you're saying is, is spot on. The idea of being called to the city, called to the church, and called to you and, you know, you and your wife. I think that is this that's a spot on because and i think that being able to specifically ask that question and wait for an answer is is a critical thing because you yeah. you, you know there are going to be hardships in church planting you know yeah. and the question oftentimes comes is like am i you know am i gonna stay am i gonna stick it through and this is what paul says and even in um, ephesians chapter four you know and when he talked about this idea he says therefore the prisoner of the Lord. First of all, like um, he's a prisoner to the Lord. He says, I urge you to walk, right? That's your verse. That's your verse. I'm just preaching your verse to you. Go ahead and talk to me, Pastor. To walk worthy yeah. of the calling you have received, right? And then it says, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, um, with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope in your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all, right? And, and so it talks about this idea of being called as a prisoner. If we are in line with God in Christ, Paul is calling the church to, to live as the church, you know, in Ephesus and to walk, not individually, but collectively. Like the book wasn't written to an individual. It was written to a collective whole. It was written to a church, to the church in Ephesus. And so... This idea of walking, I love that that imagery that you you, you guys talk about often the, of walk church, like walking this out. But that walk is not to be walked alone, right? right. But it's to be walked together. And so that that idea of that. 
Yeah. Well, I was just going to say before I lose my thought um, that, that isn't this modeled by Jesus best, right? Who, who I would say is the greatest church planner of all time is Christ in that right when he's ready to start his ministry, what does he do? He, he says, Hey, this is going to be a together thing. It's a we thing. He goes and recruits a team and, and doesn't just do it uh, flippantly. He actually spends a whole night in prayer saying, okay, God, I need the right people on this team. I need called people on this team. And he goes and gets them. And so I think, yeah, if there's ever a, a pitch to church planting together, it's looking at, at the model that Jesus set for us in all four Gospels, starting out with the team. That's good. So we got a couple more minutes. I want to just kind of flesh out what are some practical things that you do, some practical mm -hmm. steps of helping people to walk, no pun intended, together, you know, as they walk in Christ, you know, being committed to the city, being committed to one another in the church, and being committed to you as pastors. How, how do you um, flesh that out as leaders mm -hmm. yeah. in your church? Yeah, well, I think early on, and I think still even to this day, um, some of these principles apply. I, I recognized early on when we were developing our, our Walk Church team, core team, launch team, um, and I think there's some differentiation between the two, but um, I, I had this mentality early on of uh, what we call missionary over ministry, and it's this idea that, hey, we're in the city, we need to be we need to develop relationships. We need to be in the different domains and spaces of life. And we need to reach people in those spaces. And so people that moved out to Las Vegas to be a part of our church, people that we kind of raised up here, especially those who are even younger in their faith. I think one, one thing that I erred on or had an error on was that I had this mentality that, hey, look, let's all go grind, kind of lace up your Jordans, if you would. And, and I'll meet you back here next week and let's just have um, praise reports and talk about what God's doing. And I think I was wired a little bit for that, but I recognized I would be like, all right, break. And team members would still be like, man, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do. I, I came out here for the vision. And so I think um, what I started, what I started to do was just have intentional meetings with the team. Uh, where at first we just thought, hey, the team gets it. They're not in it to, for, like, they got it. They're going to run with it. We recognize, man, no, they need time with us. We actually stopped our large group gathering for the purpose of investment in our team and said, hey, if we can get our team, we're going to be able to go further longer. And so we started having these things called family dinners that developed out of this season that we still do to this day. And that's just getting with core team people that 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 call walk church home that are on our leadership team and saying hey this time to gather is for us right don't invite anybody it's not an evangelistic moment it's a time for us to one another it's for us to ask each other how we're doing with authenticity to love each other to be transparent to take off any masks <laughs> no pun intended right and so those family dinners were at homes and they were they were for the team. And I, I've just, I've just been encouraging a lot of church planners lately. Like, do you do that with your team? Do you just think they were going to move out and just figure it out already? And so I think that's one item. Let me, I'll give you one quick other one. Um, we decided early on to change the language of our team to 
uh, this word, this phrase, dream team, um, I noticed I would keep saying to our team that you guys are going to make the dream of Walk Church come alive. It's, it's not just Nina and I. It's this big team, teamwork makes the dream work idea. So we moved away from using the word volunteer, moved away from using anything that's like uh, not life-giving with the language. And we started to say everything has to do with the dream team. You make the dream come alive. We started making merch that's only for the dream team. We started doing dream team parties throughout the year that are very specific to where people are like, yo, where'd you get that shirt? Or how come you have that specific journal? Or like, where'd you get that gear, etc." It's like, yo, I'm on the dream team, bro. Like, if you're not on the dream team, you're going to miss all that because there's this, there's this, I, this love, this, this investment, this honor that we just had to shift to our dream team. If they can own it with us, even at the volunteer level, we're going to really be able to see some great things happen. And I found that dream team members want to invite other church members to be a part of that team too. So I think those were just a few items that we did that we still do to this day to try to boost momentum. with. No, that's really good. And when I hear you, you know, I kind of, I hear you and I'm, I think about like three things that really stands out to me. That when, you, when you're talking about creating ownership of a vision and how do you transfer ownership out of your heart, you know, as a pastor into the hearts of your team members. One, I would say is worldview transformation. You have to give people a vision. Right. And yeah. you gotta be like, what is the vision of this church? And being able to communicate that. You see Jesus talking about these stories all the time, casting this vision, you know, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I'm calling okay. you somewhere. There's a destination. If you follow me, I'm going somewhere. So worldview transformation. The second one is observation. If you notice in Jesus's ministry, you got and in order to have that observation, they have to see you doing it. They have to see this modeling of it. Oh, oh okay. And that's where we have to ask the question are we the type of person that we would want to see reproduced, right? And I think oftentimes we, we don't kind of take that core because the reality is that we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we really are. And that becomes the real reality of what's going on. And that's what we see in our children, right? It's like, where did you get that from? And you start looking right. at your life, it's like, oh, you got that from observing me, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. so you, you frame it, you frame the conversation, and here's our values, here's our aims, here's what we're about. That's worldview transformation. That's the teaching component. There's an observation component where you have to, they have to be around you and see you. And that's what I hear you saying that relate that, that kind of observation. But then the third right. one, in the, in, you know, is the encounter, right? Yeah. They have to encounter you and right relationally now. be able to connect with you um, and yeah. so because this idea of relationship, people think it's just simply about all spitting out the same facts, the same ideas. Right. It's, it's about kind of a threefold kind of a purpose. If we're going to get our people to really take ownership. And so right. I just really think that if, you know, as pastors, as planters, when we do that, we have to think about it on those three levels. Kind of what is the worldview that we're trying to promote? What is, how are we allowing them to observe it? And then finally is how are we, allowing them to encounter. And that's what the Bible says. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Like right. the beginning of wisdom is not just knowing facts about the Lord. It comes with a reverential relationship with the Lord, an encounter with so the Lord. And I just think that's really important for us as if we're going to you know, get our vision you know, to the next generation, we have to understand that. And we got to look at it in that threefold. And by the way, it doesn't stop with just our core team. It doesn't stop with just in the first few months. It continues on 
and on and so every like literally for us that blueprint every year we're re-upping right allowing people to be tra- to understand the vision to encounter the encounter the people who are embodying the vision and then hopefully seeing models giving them freedom to see the model of the vision and so that's how we got to walk it out we got to walk it out there it is so we are here with Hyrad, pastor, professional basketball player, and all of that. We are here with you, man. Appreciate I'm you. With pastor Dahadi. That's what I tell people. I say, man, just know I, I know this cat named Dahadi, and that's what that's that's my credibility right there. That's it. Man, well, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us. And remember, man, we are Send Network. And yeah. um, love you, brother. Love you too. Thanks so much for having me on. Love you guys. You have been listening to We Are Send Network a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.